0: Welcome to The Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do, and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. And indeed, welcome to the Sages Among Us. It's a live broadcast tonight. I'm Keith Porter in Studio A and KVMR with my guest, Marnie Marshall. And as we just heard, Marnie is a lifelong arts lover, teacher, program director, former executive director of the Grass Valley Downtown Association, and now she's volunteer director for the hundreds of broadcasters and other volunteers at KVMR. So, Marnie, welcome to the hot seat on the Sages Among Us.
1: Thank you. I was told you'd say that. It is nice and hot.
0: Well, uh, before we talk about your work here in the community and all all the things you've done and uh, are planning to do, uh, let me give folks just a little bit more background about you. Uh, You lived a lot of different places as a child. Your parents moved around quite a little bit, I think. You said you lived in uh, Bay Area cities, in Massachusetts, in Louisiana, in Oregon, back to California, Uh, and you graduated from high school and started your community college experience in Stockton. So that got you back into California. And then you were kind of thinking about getting back to a tree-lined area. You thought about Oregon, but you had a friend in Nevada County came here, found this was a place, and you've made it your home ever since. And uh, we're very happy that you did. Thank you. So this shows about you and your work and how you contribute to the community, but I want to go into your background a little bit more because I think the human interest side of who these people are in our community, like you, who really make things happen and uh, make this a great place to live, I think that's interesting as well. So um, you said, as I said, you moved around a lot as a child. Your parents were free spirits. One from each coast who met as ski buddies. Wow, that must have been interesting. Interesting <laughs> background. But you said you're fortunate that th- that moving and uh, their outlook on life helped you learn to be flexible. Uh, was there also a downside to moving around a lot as a kid?
1: You know, I always wondered what it would have been like to grow up in you know one place and how life would have been different. There were interesting things about it, sometimes moving back to the same place I had been. So picking up with friends where I had left off, you know, I, I think it, I think the only downside for me is probably (laughs) something that ends up driving me in life later, is this fear of missing out. Like, what did I miss out on?
0: Oh, (laughs) that's called FOMO, right? Yes, it It, is. I I understand that. Somehow that's in my genetic makeup, too. So you kind of want to be involved with everything.
1: Yeah, want to be involved in everything, want to know what's been going on. But there's definitely upsides to it. So I think it definitely seeded a desire for me to seek out community and family and uh, create that over and over again as much as I possibly could. It made me curious. Um, and very good with chaos. And so (laughs) uh, I can handle a lot of of chaos. That's kind of something I can do. So there's a survival and thrival thinking, um, but I got so many experiences that I am thankful for.
0: That's great. So you recently attended the wedding of your younger sister. You were several years older than she was. I'm wondering if you ever had the experience of being the assistant mom to a younger, younger sister.
1: Absolutely. I'm seven years older. So typical birth order stuff, you take care of your siblings. And I was tasked with babysitting from seven years, you know, of age on and I helped my mom as well. We all helped each other. You know, she was working many jobs, going to school, juggling us. So, you know, I just learned to be a caretaker at a young age.
0: So did you did your sister ever forgive you and then you became friends?
1: <laughs> you know, I don't have what I have with my sister is that we've always enjoyed each other. Certainly at some point in my teenage years there was some squabbling, but um I loved having a sister and we just adore each other. <laughs> we don't have so much sibling rivalry as a lot of love. Well, that's that's a wonderful thing to be able to say. So
0: Absolutely. Good, good for you and your sister. Uh, So Stockton for high school, um, and you started community college there. Any special memories from your high school years in, in that part of the world?
1: I do. I know that, you know, Stockton can have a bad rap, but certainly I had a lot of great experiences there. I shadowed my mom, who in one of her many multiple jobs was a house manager at San Joaquin Delta College, so I was able to view... Numerous performances, you know, on a weekly basis. So
0: house manager, as in for stage productions, was managing the stage production? Yes, the front Ah, of the house. So
1: I've definitely followed quite a bit in my mother's footsteps. I, I had a great love for, you know, being backstage, being in the front of the house. I just really loved being around uh theater so i got to see so many great productions local and touring i got to see comedy troops come through i saw ellen degeneres when she was just starting out all sorts of lovely things like that did community theater um i enjoyed speech and debate i'm a nerd uh now,
0: now you also <laughs> said you're a shy person, so that's kind of an unusual set of uh,
1: <laughs> it uh, skills. It is. Well, my mom was determined to force me to get out of that someday, and it took a long time, but she kept pushing me towards activities, things like theater and speech and debate, that would make me practice. So
0: mm. good, good for
1: mom. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> strong worth e- work ethic from my mom, and definitely would not take no for an answer. There was no like, oh, I don't want to do it. It's like, no, you're going to do it. So. I did things that I never would have chosen for myself, and I think life is so interesting how it always comes back around, like doing journalism or photography or any of those speech and debate activities, you know, really did come to help me and come into play later on in life. So those are great things from Stockton.
0: Well, and I, I think there's some clues in there, too, about your, uh, your appreciation for arts. You described yourself as a lifelong arts lover. Um, and obviously, that was, that was, some of that came from that time, I'm sure, too. Absolutely.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: So you have said that after high school, you were thinking that Oregon was the place you were going to find your way back to nature and trees. But uh, you've, you had a friend here in Nevada County and ended up staying here. So what was it about here in Nevada County that made, you, made this feel like home to you?
1: It was really just like you, a back to the land thing. I wanted to leave a city and come back to nature. So it was the river, the trees, the sky. Um, I didn't know a lot about the community when I first moved here, except that I had friends that went rafting. So I knew that we had some (laughs) things in common, you know, Mm -hmm. love of nature and activities. But I just knew that going to a smaller place was going to allow me to sort of expand my life, this sort of, you know, strange thing, move to a smaller community. But it just allowed me to um, relax. And so I think I was really looking for that, like a, a healing place. So Nevada County, I just felt that as soon as I got here, I just was like, this is it.
0: Yeah, I think somehow, you know, we've had a number of guests on this show, and a lot of people describe that as a, as a characteristic. The place feels like a healing place, like, uh, you know, we, we learn to get along, even though we have different views about a lot of things in the community, we really do learn to get along pretty well.
1: Yes, I did notice that right away, too. I thought, wow, there's a lot of disparate, you know, opinions, and yet everybody seems to get along and appreciate each other and nature. Somehow it all works.
0: So you're a lifelong lover of the arts, and you've had lessons and experiences in drama and music and gymnastics and dance, but then dance became your favorite expression, I think, if that's fair to say. And if so, why, and, and was it hard to give up on the other kinds of arts, to, to specialize in dance so much as you've done?
1: It was hard to choose had to make a decision at some point. You can only do so many lessons, you know, when your mom is a single mother and trying to provide you with opportunities. So I was very, I had this artistic encouragement and also a very practical family. So I I planned it all out that I would be able to do dance until I couldn't dance anymore. And then I would, you know, that I was too old to do gymnastics I would you know I had it all planned out that I would do music later in my life and that I could always do art um it turned out that I was wrong about your dance career ending in your 20s that you actually you know I discovered modern dance and it was encouraged that you would be able to dance until you were in your 80s or more like Martha Graham so um I just I had to put aside some things like visual art and that's because dance takes so much time. It's so much practice. There's only so many hours in the day. So that's it. Basically. I just knew that I had to um, focus on something to get really good at it. I do have a, you know, I've had that question posed. Do you want to be a Jack of all trades or a master of one? Well, I like being a Jack of all trades, but um, dance just really was like this dream that, I didn't think I was gonna be able to have in my lifetime. So once I realized I could, that was it. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm Keith Porter and we're in a live uh, production of The Sages Among Us. My guest today is Marnie Marshall lifelong arts lover, teacher, dancer, program director, and now she's volunteer director for the hundreds of broadcasters and other volunteers at KVMR. And if you'd like to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. Uh, we have uh, Ralph Henson here helping us engineering tonight so we can actually take callers, and uh, we appreciate that very much. But you can call us in the studio, 530-265-9555, if you have a question about uh, this interview with Marnie. So, Marnie, you... Um, You took some time. You mentioned that you got back into dance. After high school, you really weren't uh, very involved in dancing. You were doing other things. You had a career as a chef for a while. Um, And uh, what was it that eventually led you back to uh, going to school and getting your arts degree and your teaching credential? And uh, first those things and then also back into dance at some point.
1: I think I finally just matured enough to realize that you know, putting myself out there and being uncomfortable was worth it. (laughs) You know, when I was finishing dance right in high school, I think, I don't know, that I felt a lot of negativity and competition and that just wasn't what I wanted. And I found out later that, you know, as you mature, you can find your dance family. It doesn't have to be like that. You can be encouraging and supportive of each other. So I think just getting you know comfortable with being uncomfortable that the the effort would be worth it that as you know a shy person putting myself out there and feeling so self-conscious and you know being afraid of messing up that eventually that just got better with practice mm so
0: did, did did that same kind of dynamic apply to your time as a teacher? You got a credential. You actually t- taught high school in Yuba City and locally mm-hmm. and including at the neighborhood Center for the Arts locally. Um, did you enjoy the time and did you find the same dynamic about um, be, becoming more comfortable with putting yourself out there and leading a class of people?
1: I absolutely loved teaching. I think I always thought I wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. It is so challenging. There's so many things to learn um, and just dip back into the working as a, a cook. That was a really important period in my life. I think um, I've just been so fortunate to be encouraged. You know, you I was tired of being a waitress and wanted to get into the kitchen and learn more about food. And I just you know, really enjoyed that I got to a period in my life where if I just asked, like, can I do that? Can I learn that? That somebody would <laughs> let me do that. So uh, I had the best time teaching school, being a chef, a pastry chef at the New Moon Cafe, working with all these local people like Ike Frazee and Peter Saleh and Um, Buzz at the New Moon. I mean, it was just the best family. So, yes, teaching was a dream of mine. And as an art teacher, they're often laid off. So I eventually found my way to the Center for the Arts where I could just have one job instead of multiple part-time jobs. Um, I also did teach up at Grizzly Hill North San Juan and Little Town of Washington. So all very special, unique experiences. Little Town of Washington had 12 students (laughs) first through eighth grade, and you know, going from a big high school to a little school, I just got such a wide range of experiences. It was they were all magical periods.
0: Well, I was going to ask you what part of teaching was difficult. Did you find difficult? You said you enjoyed it, but there are obviously difficult parts. And it sounds like the difficult part is cobbling together a, a, an income and a career out of part-time positions in a yeah. number of places. Huh?
1: I really liked having my full-time job with my classroom, you know, when I taught photography, we had a dark room and you know, it was, it was mine to own. It was hard cobbling together many part-time jobs, but I think the the hardest part about teaching is just realizing you have so much to learn about tips and techniques about how to do uh, management of a classroom. And that just takes years. They, you know, I did an internship thinking <laughs> yeah. I could learn more than just from the classroom. Um, There's so much to learn from the teachers who taught before you about how to do things that work. And it's basically crowd management. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Uh, Very
0: much like your current position with uh, KVMR, I think. Yes. (laughs) So I think that
1: was a difficult part, that you couldn't just get up there and say things and people would have the same enthusiasm. I thought, well, everybody's going to love art. Right. But sometimes that had to be um, encouraged. So... Yeah, and discipline maybe had even to become bit. a cheerleader yeah. of sorts. Yeah.
0: So tell us more about your re-immersion in dance in the twenties when you really rediscovered that you that was that important to you. Was there a specific event or a specific reason why you know that kind of clicked back? For yeah, you?
1: I had stopped for so long, and then just one day, just you know, songs started to inspire me in a different way, and I wanted to start choreographing to them, and I started dancing in my living room, and eventually. Uh, found my way to Sierra College and signed up for a class with Lovie Bucknell. And that has begun, you know, the beautiful journey that we went on, that we both were so passionate, both wanted to start a company. Um, I just knew that I had a lot of work to get trained to get good again. So I did that for many years um, with her, and that was a turning point.
0: So so tell us a bit about the experience, though, of starting a company. That sounds like it's, uh, you know, taking it to a whole nother level, right?
1: Yeah, we really wanted to do something that wasn't here. We didn't see any modern dance here, and we were both very passionate about it. So starting something from scratch is uh, a huge endeavor. You know, we had to figure out, this was before everybody was using the internet and emailing, so every rehearsal schedule had to be phone called or or meetings. So, you know, there was a lot, a lot of things that, um, we had to put in place the marketing, the graphic design of brochures and flyers and um, working with, say, the Center for the Arts to program a show, uh, working with multiple choreographers, um, hours and hours and hours and hours of rehearsal and, gosh, so many things. So it really was a learning process, I think, for both of us. Lovey had, had been in companies before, so she had a lot a vision and experience. And so we just really worked on that together. But yeah, Levy led a lot of experience in that.
0: And that wasn't all that you jumped into ultimately. You also joined forces with Teresa Honecker and uh, Air Aligned, and uh, you got to live a little bit of your childhood desire to join the circus by dancing in the air.
1: What's it like? <laughs> dancing in the air is. Uh, Yeah, I I, it's really really difficult to explain because you look weightless, but you still have gravity and it still hurts. There's all these things. It's like with all the dance and all the art that people do, the the job is to make it look effortless. It's not effortless, but Mm -hmm. I will say one of my favorite things about dancing in the air is the spinning. You know, when you're like twirling in a hoop or on a, a silk, like it it feels like you finally are weightless, which is something I feel like a lot of dancers aspire towards. That's what all the photographs portray is this lovely buoyancy, um, so that is something that you get from that that you don't get from anything else. And
0: so for people who may not be may not have seen that happen, you, this is this is you're using materials that are suspended from the ceiling for the, yes. from the roof, right? Uh, silks, um and loo hoops and things and so you are off the ground the whole time.
1: You're off right. the ground. Um you climb up very high. There are, you know, techniques and trips, uh tricks for doing uh beautiful things attached to a silk. And when you're in a hoop, lots of things you can do to move around and grip it. But it's that sort of spinning. If you imagine, like I love this when I was a kid too, that you're on a tire swing. And if you like that feeling of spinning or being on a merry-go-round, that is something that you would enjoy either watching or doing an aerial dance.
0: So, from your time as a chef, through your time as a teacher, through your time as starting dance companies and working with the airline, uh, ultimately, you found your way to the Center for the Arts, where you were program director, uh, you managed the house, you managed the gallery, and a multitude of other responsibilities. You said that was a natural home for you, where you could rehearse, you could choreograph, you could surround yourself with like-minded people and perform. Uh what's not to like about that? That sounds like a, a <laughs> perfection in some respects
1: it really was like again another golden period where we had rehearsed. you know the Center for the Arts had been opened by um you know john blinder George Jane, so many people Paul Emery was there, so many people made that happen, and for the Center for the Arts to appear as a place to perform and rehearse was absolute magic it feels like it really activated a huge part of the community we now had a place to go so spent a lot of time there and then working there you know i i really do love combining i i love to work i think it's fun i love doing artistic things so getting to combine those two things every day all the time uh was great and the center provided me with so many learning opportunities for you know organizing programs um doing all the things i loved doing and getting paid for it and so i just felt really blessed that that all came about and you know you were on the board that it was a huge I, I, thing I was around the community there,
0: yeah. and i can remember how well houses were managed when you were there managing houses
1: <laughs> oh it's all so fun i yeah. mean i just loved i mean and did volunteer management and just loved that volunteer management brings you into contact with people you'd never come across mm-hmm.
0: So I'm Keith Porter on the Sages Among Us this evening. My guest is uh, Marnie Marshall, a lifelong arts lover, teacher, dancer, program director, chef for a while, now volunteer director for hundreds of broadcasters and other volunteers at KVMR. So let's see, Martin. We'll, we'll move along here in terms of your work in the community as well. Uh, you, um, did, uh, you left the Center for the Arts and became the Executive Director of the Grass Valley Downtown Association for over four years. And I'm guessing that was a step up in the diversity of responsibilities that you had. Um, tell us, what parts of that position did you enjoy and what parts did you find you just had to do it to make it all work?
1: I think that that job really... Made me dive deep into um, community building, like how to bring every single person that you knew into the activities to make it more vibrant. I think the things that, you know, are not a natural fun thing for me to do, but are you know, needing to be done or fundraising, but that's just a necessary thing. And with a nonprofit, you're always fundraising. So, right. you know, just got more and more comfortable with that. Had done some of that with a dance company, and I th- yes, I mean, the whole Main Street program is something I still really believe in, and that's what the downtown association work is is revitalizing. Historic downtowns, keeping them vital, keeping people shopping local, keeping things vital and interesting, and bringing in every single thing you can to make that happen. Your artist friends, anybody who wants to be involved, finding a place for them. Yeah.
0: Well, it must be a relief to no longer be thinking and worrying about the question about whether Mill Street should be remain blocked to traffic or reopened to traffic. That's got to be a contentious issue um, for a lot of folks. And a you know, difficult it
1: one. was really uh very interesting and you know not easy last couple of years with pandemic with mill street but oh yeah, i feel like i don't know i i probably shouldn't say but i do feel like the response to do that with mill street especially in the last couple of years was um something that a lot of people really enjoyed and you know it's still i'm sure up for hot debate but right. i think they'll make it beautiful
0: so a few months ago, you became the uh, the, st- the volunteer director at KVMR. How, how long ago was that? When when did that did you come aboard here?
1: Started in March.
0: In March, okay. So uh, four months. Yeah. Oh goodness, yeah. It seemed like it's been forever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So I have to apologize in advance for all the instances that have or will happen uh, when people like Ralph and I say, uh, you know, one thing and do another because we're creative and and, uh, rambunctious people doing our own thing. Um, And uh, I'm sure there are times when you've said if only those volunteers would pay attention and follow the rules. But um, how have you found this experience so far in the few months that you've been here? Is it fun? Is it weird? Uh, What would you say about it?
1: I think that KVMR has been a really great place to come to. I, I know there are many, many, many volunteers, but what I see from KVMR and their broadcaster volunteers and all the other volunteers is how passionate they are. It's a very well oiled machine. It sort of um, amazes me. This place is going 24 hours a day, seven days a week on volunteerism. So it really is inspiring that it's, Uh, that it works and when I think about my predecessor Edie Cassell and how she was here for 20 years and the stories that she's told me about you know how community of broadcasters everybody shows up for each other if you need anything and that's just so heartwarming so it feels feels great and you know if people don't check their emails that's not the worst thing that could ever happen I mean you show up (laughs) to the station you have passion for music You have passion for public affairs, whatever it is. And I get the best comments from people. They care about artists getting paid. The comments when I ask how people are doing are things like, well, my gratitude is higher than my expectations or I'm feeling groovy. I mean, these are really fun people to be around. So I think I really have enjoyed it so far. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, well, uh, the there's more to come, I'm sure. So uh, I, I think KVMR is very lucky to have you, uh, have you come aboard and uh, and start really uh, managing the processes. There's there's always a need for that and a, and a strong effort to uh, to keep people under control. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's never so, ending, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Marnie, hey, if a genie in a bottle granted you one wish to improve our community, what would that wish be?
1: Oh, this is such a difficult question, Keith. I think that I would just, there's no magic wand, but I would always wish for more kindness, more collaboration, um, more cheerleading. So mm. just, I feel like all the points in my life when my life changed was always because somebody encouraged me. It may have just been one sentence like, yeah, you should do that. Or, yeah, you you know that's a great idea that I want to I want that to happen more for everybody in the community, so just general positivity and encouragement and kindness
0: excellent, so among the great assets in our community are the number of accomplished professionals and activists and artists who choose to live here instead of some place where they might make more money or be part of a larger organization. Uh, they live here because they want to be here, and that group certainly includes you. Why do you think this community attracts and holds people like you? And is there more we could do as a community to protect or to add to this precious asset and those
1: experiences? Well, I'll start with, I think the reason it attracts people is um, because it is small, you can make changes and you can get things done. You know, when I've talked with my mother who worked for the city of Stockton, Um, you know, we talk about how it's more difficult to feel like you're making a difference in a bigger place sometimes. And, you know, it may be for so many reasons that that is, but I feel that you can see it, you can feel it here. And when you walk down the street and you can say hi to people and they recognize you and you can interact, I think that's, you know, a beautiful thing that keeps people here. As for how we can protect that and keep it, I almost want to interview you. What do you think?
0: (laughs) Keep doing more of the same. Keep
1: doing more community building. You know, there couldn't be enough of that. We always need more of that in the world. Let's look
0: ahead for a second, last minute or so here. What's something that you would still like to accomplish in the area of civic engagement or another aspect of your life?
1: Well, I think going forward, I would be very interested in mediation and just learning how to do some conflict management you know i i'm a a peacemaker by nature and i feel like that's something that i could work towards certainly i'm not a lover of conflict so it would be a personal goal for me as well but uh that's all i can really think of i really don't know what the next steps are i think just one foot in front of the other and um trying to be a part of something bigger than myself and encouraging others to do the same
0: well, we'll look forward to having another conversation when you've uh, opened that uh, door to that other aspect of your future life. That'll be very interesting. I, I think that's something you'd be very, very well suited to. So I'm Keith Porter. My guest today has been Marnie Marshall, lifelong arts logger, teacher, dance program director, dancer. <laughs> now she's volunteer director for the hundreds of broadcasters and other volunteers at KVMR. Thanks for joining us. Marnie, thank you so much for spending the time with us. Thanks for everything you do to make your community great.